Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Come from it. We can take things that happen and use them as, as opportunities to tell people about the, the things that are coming upon this earth. We have a Bible that is predicting the future. And this is time like never before, church, to witness. Like Brian was talking about at the, at the prayer time. We need to pray for our loved ones. We need to pray for our neighbors. We need to pray for our enemies. We need to pray that everybody's eyes would turn to the Lord and they would be saved. Amen? It is our job, church, to go out of these four walls and preach the good news to this world. Amen? And tell them that there's hope in this hopeless, seemingly hopeless world. And we have the answer this morning. We have it. But we got to make sure that we're not so caught up in what's going on that we miss the opportunity. So I want, I want to kind of show you some things this morning the Lord's put on my heart. If you're taking notes, we're going to start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm not going to talk anymore necessarily about uh, specifically what happened that day. But I want us to use this as, a, as an example today as we look back 20 years ago. And... If you, for homework, you can read the first 10 verses of this chapter later. Don't read it now. But he's basically talking about all these things that happened in the Old Testament. How many have ever wondered why all those things are there? Like, why are all the names there? Why are all the places there? Why are all the situations there? Why, why, why do we need that Old Testament? And we look at it sometimes the wrong way. He says in those first 10 verses all these things that happen. And he says, this is why we have the Old Testament. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So they were saying that for a futuristic event and a futuristic time, if you will take the word of God, you can use it for your benefit. And it shows all these different stories, and we learn all these different things. How many know it's smart to learn from the mistakes of people in the past? That's a smart person, someone who looks at somebody else's mistake and learns from it. And so we have all these stories, and we're going to get into a couple of them in the Old Testament this morning, that show us, show us things from the past. And I want us to think this morning about where are we at right now? Where is our world at? What situation are we in right now? If he said to the church of Corinthians 2,000 years ago that these things were for our learning for the age to come, how many know we're that age? We're that, we're that last days. We know that. We've been talking about that scripturally and prophetically lately. We know we're in those last days because of Israel becoming a nation. And we know that we're, the, that we're this last generation. And we know that there's so many things going on right now in our world that are telling us, look up. Jesus is coming. Amen? Tell the person next to you, we got work to do. Amen? You know, I've been telling you to, to get this, or asking you if you want to get this letter that I wrote about what, what will happen if you miss the rapture and if you're stuck in the tribulation. And, and many have asked for it, but if you haven't gotten it yet, get it and share it. My daughter Destiny testified Wednesday night, if you didn't hear it, that she, she left it at her job on her desk. And two people were reading it while she was at lunch. And she came back from lunch and they said, what is this? Can you explain this to us? And she was able to go into another room and led both of them to Christ in her, in her, in her job. Amen? Because they heard what was going on and it scared them. And then she said, the lady said to her, you said this was such a, such a peace. 
in your heart that you've got you to have something I don't have. And then she calls me Friday on a video call, and she led two more people to the Lord. One of them is a deputy sheriff at her job from that, from that letter. Hello. Anybody home? You can do that too. But we got to be about the Father's business. we got to stop saying, oh, man, doom and gloom, this is bad. What about, the, how about we say Jesus is the answer? Why don't we start telling people that Jesus can change your life and that hopelessness that you feel, God can give you hope this morning. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 24, verse 21, this is a futuristic event the Bible tells us. Now, right before we read this, go ahead and leave it up. How many could imagine if you were around when 9-11 happened, if the week before or weeks before you got insight and intel and someone told you what was going to happen and that those, those planes were going to get hijacked, the Twin Towers were going to fall to the ground, the Pentagon was going to be attacked, how many of you could say, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to tell everybody I know about this event that's coming so that nobody's in that building when it gets hit. I'm going to go tell everybody I know that this, situ- this, 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 thing's about to, this horrible thing's about to happen. How many, if we were smart, would have gone and warned somebody? And there's even stories, church, actually of great stories of, of people who did hear from the Holy Spirit and didn't go to work that day or, or others who got delayed and missed their flights or missed going to work and their lives were saved because of it. But the reason I say that is, here's a good thing to learn from. 9-11 is something we'll never forget. It changed the entire world. Just something that happened in our country. It changed the entire world. The entire world shut down because of that one event. But we have an event coming up in the future that we know about. So just like 9-11, I asked you how many would go tell somebody, and you said you would. Why don't we do it now? Why don't we start looking at this futuristic event that the Lord is telling us about and, and use it for God's glory and use it to rescue people from the pits of hell and going into that dark time of tribulation and get saved and know Savior and have peace in, this, in the midst of this storm. Why don't we tell people? Oh, it's quiet in here. Jesus says, for then, futuristic event, there will be great tribulation. Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. He is saying that there's a time coming that's going to make 9-11 look very small. Because that was just a few cities. Are you home? Teenagers. It was, it was two cities that were, three cities that were affected. Two major cities, New York and, and, and where the Pentagon is in, Pen, in Pennsylvania. Not Pennsylvania, uh, Someone help me. Where's the Pentagon? D.C., thank you. And those two places, and it affected, that event affected the entire world. For, for a, a span of time, no planes flew anywhere in the world. All planes were grounded, unless they were going up for some kind of help. That had never happened in the history of our world. That's where all, everything shut down. What did we see last year? We saw the entire, not just planes being grounded, we saw the entire world on lockdown. And so it's a precursor church of what is coming, and God is giving the church a chance, not only to be saved, but he's giving us a chance to save others. 
I had a chance, and I'm going to finish this in just a second. Go ahead and leave it right there. I had a chance to, actually, let me go ahead and finish it. For then there will be great tribulations, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be. And look at the next verse. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Except for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And we know it's going to be a seven-year period of time in the future. It could be in the next few months. It could be in the next few years. We don't know when it is, but we know it's close. And the Bible tells us that. But I was meeting yesterday with, or this week I met with uh, Chris Clock, the evangelist that led me to the Lord almost 30 years ago. And we stay in touch and stay in contact. And we met up over in Addison and ate lunch together. And we were just challenging each other and encouraging each other and asking how each other were doing and talking about revival and wanting to see a move of God. And, and we just got to talking, and he told me this story of this, of this vision this person had of, of hell and the fire of hell. And this person was going along, and they were lifting up people off the ground by their neck and looking at their faces and letting them go and going to the next person and lifting them up and looking at their faces and letting them go. And someone said, what, are you trying to save them from hell? Are you trying to get them out of hell? How many know we can do that? We can save people from hell. He said, are you trying to get them out of hell? He said, no, I'm trying to find the pastor who didn't preach the truth to me and tell me that this time was coming. I'm not going to be that pastor. Amen? Hello? How about, how about I take the hook off me and put you there, the Christian who didn't tell me? I'm, look, I'm trying to find the face of the Christian who worked with me every single day and never told me anything about Jesus. The family member who says they, that they love me, but they never told me enough about Jesus so I can be saved. Oh, it got quiet right there. Come on, church. I'm challenging you. You have the greatest opportunity right now we've ever had to start a conversation. People say, well, I don't know. You know, and even, even Destiny was saying that. I had, the hardest time, I had the hardest time starting a conversation. It's not hard today. Hey, what do you think about what's going on? And boom, conversation starts. Whatever side you're on, whatever you think, it's an opportunity to witness. Never forget. Never forget. See, we get to where we're out of sight, out of mind, though, don't we? We get to where we don't think about things because some of you that are younger, it didn't even affect you. It hasn't affected your world. But this is something we cannot forget, and we cannot forget what God has said in his word. He's giving us a warning. I'm coming I'm coming. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming soon. I want you to be ready, and I want you to get as many people saved as you can. Amen. Tell the person next to you, never forget. But there's something else I want you to never forget, too. Colossians chapter 1. Watch this. I want you to never forget that Jesus Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful golf clap. We've hit the putt. I'm going to give you all another chance, but I want you to read this with me, okay? I'm telling you about a futuristic event, and I'm telling you to never forget that we have redemption this morning. Go back to that verse prior 13 and read this with me. He has delivered us. Come on, shout it out. You that are watching online. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption 
through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Come on, the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption. We have hope. We've been, that verse that Brian read, I sent that out earlier in the week. And if you, I want you to write it down, Acts chapter 26, verse 18. And church, I, I can't tell you in 30 years if I've ever had a verse burn in my spirit like that one is right now. Every single day. I asked, I don't remember what day it was. I asked if you would stop and pray that several times during the day. And I'm asking you this morning if you would pray this every day with me. That you would, he says, open their eyes. Turn their hearts, turn them from the darkness to the light. Take them from the powers of Satan to the power of God. So that they can obtain the inheritance and they can be saved through faith in Him. How many know that's got to be our cry? That's got to be our prayer. We've got to get unselfish. We've got to start thinking about other people. If you're in this place and you're saved, praise God. But you've got to tell some people about Jesus so they can be saved too. So they can know of the forgiveness of the Lord like you do. How many know when you got saved, you got saved because somebody invited you? You got saved because someone said, hey, Jesus loves you. However they did it, however you, if you came in here and got saved in a service or you got saved in an outreach or whatever it was, somebody opened their mouth and talked to you. Do the same thing. Pay it forward. Never forget what God has done for you. Never forget what's coming. Amen? Now as we look, think about the days that we're living in, how many know as we continue to go over this stuff, we're, we're living in days that seems like every single day there's new news, if you're paying attention. And I, I said this in the first service, that's one of my fears. When 9-11 happened, everybody was caught off guard. Nobody expected that. And I remember talking to my dad, I was in Costa Rica, we hadn't started a church yet at this moment. Or if we had, it had just started, but I don't think we had started it yet. We were very close to starting it. I don't even know if I was, I was already with, with, with our fellowship, but I, I'm pretty sure I hadn't started the church yet. And I remember talking to my dad after this happened, and he worked at a, he was on staff at a very large church here in the Metroplex, thousands of people. And he said that next Sunday after 9-11, which was a Tuesday, he said that next Sunday, people were lined up down the road to get into that church. They, they were banging the doors down. And I heard that all the churches in the United States were full but you know how long that lasted? Just a few weeks. And then everybody went back to business as usual. Because that's what we do. Hello. Boy, y'all are as dead as a doorknob this morning. But that's okay. Hello. Am I preaching right? We go back to our, we just go back to what we always do. Because oh, that's over. The dust settled. But see, church, the tribulation is not going to be a time where the dust settles. One catastrophe is going to follow another. One horrible thing is going to follow another. And things are going to come upon things. And it's going to be, the Bible says, the worst time in the history of the world. We can keep people from going through it. Read your Bibles where it talks about the talents. And I'm, by the way, I'm, you're, this 11 o'clock crowd's getting some stuff the 9 o'clock crowd didn't get. Read your Bibles about the talents. That God's going to ask us what we did with our talents. And if you hide that talent and you don't reproduce yourself and you don't get people saved, you're in trouble. I'm just going to put it that way. You have to reproduce. 
You, it doesn't mean you change the person. You can't change anybody, but you better be telling them. Hello? The Holy Spirit draws them. The Holy Spirit changes them. But your job is to throw seed. Just like you can't make that seed grow, it's God that grows it. You put the water on it, you put the seed in the ground, and God brings the increase. But church, we're living in a day where you can say, hey, look, look at this, and look at that, and think about this, and think about that. And you can use current events that are flying off the pages of the Bible. And if you say, well, I don't understand all this, well, have you been listening for the last few months? Because as Pastor Mario said, Wednesday, I've been pouring out my heart to you. Trying to share with you what I understand about the book. And if you don't understand it, go back and listen to the messages again. And you would be smart to share those messages with people. Say, can I share? And don't even ask them. I'm going to share something with you. Go to the podcast and copy and paste. Go to YouTube. Get, get a little, spend a little bit less time liking stuff and start sharing some stuff. Oh, that didn't hit over here. Let me come over here and say, stop liking stuff so much and start sharing some stuff. Amen. Start sharing some verses. Start sharing some messages on YouTube or Facebook. Start sharing things. I just recently preached about the days of Noah. I've preached about what this world, what's coming, what this world's being set up for. I've, and recently in a message, I mentioned the doomsday clock. Can I remember when I mentioned the doomsday clock? Just a few weeks ago. And I got news for you. I was wrong. It's less than I said. I was looking at it, and I found out that it was at the beginning of 2021 when they said two minutes, two minutes to midnight. And what this means is, pay attention to this. This means this is not the church going, hey, we're at DEFCON 1 with the rapture coming. This isn't the church. This is scientists, secular scientists saying we are this close to doomsday, doomsday meaning nuclear war. Nuclear war, and what they do is they take some global warming into it, but I don't want to focus on that. They look at all the, the animosity and all the problems in the world and all the countries that are at re, not at rest with each other and the lack of peace and all the, all, the, all the things, and they say, this is how close we are. And when they started, and I think in the 60s or 70s, it was like 15 or 12 minutes to midnight. Now it's, I said the other day, it's two minutes to midnight, but it's actually 100 seconds. And here's the crazy thing. When I said that, when, when there was 100 seconds, that was at the beginning of this year before Afghanistan. I guarantee you it's less now. I told you when this thing happened in Afghanistan, that was an acceleration of what's going on. We're not at two minutes. We're at 100 seconds or less. And that's the world. I've always said when the world says something, they don't even know what they're talking about. But they, sometimes the world's more in tune with what's going on in God's word than we are. So the world is saying something bad's about to happen, and the church is saying, no, we're good. Let's just sing Kumbaya. Let's just keep going to church and feeding ourselves. we got to tell people. we got to spread the gospel. How many got a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, or even an enemy that needs Jesus? Let me see your hands. Let's get busy telling them. Listen, listen to this. Pay attention closely, especially you that are watching online, listening on the podcast. Pay attention to my words. I asked somebody after the first service, if I asked Brian if I did this okay and I made it, made it clear. Listen, this, th what they're doing with the vaccine right now is dangerous. Are you listening to me? 
I'm not talking about what the vaccine is. I'm not talking about if it's good or bad. I'm talking about the fact that our own government and governments around the world are mandating it. That's when it gets dangerous. When the government starts telling us we have to do something. That's when it gets dangerous. Are you here? And because this is happening and because they're pushing this so much, it's going to get worse. Biden just came out this week and said that 100 million people need to get this thing quick. They're, they're, they're looking at the clock and they're pushing it. And I heard Fauci say the most ridiculous thing in a one-minute interview. He's listening to my words. I'm quoting pretty closely. He said, we, we need people to comply with this vaccine. Okay? Comply to me means made. Comply means do it or else. Anybody else think that that's what that means? He says, we need people to comply with this. And he says, what we can do is we can tell people, you can't go to a certain school or you can't work a certain job if you don't get the vaccine. So he says, we need people to comply. And in the same sentence, he says, and then, then people will willingly take it. How can you be complied to do something and willingly do it at the same time? Now, I forgot in the first service to remind you of what we read a couple weeks ago in Revelation chapter 13 when the Bible says the Antichrist will come and he will, does that comply word sound familiar? Cause, comply you to take the mark. Now, again, this vaccine, I don't believe this vaccine is the mark. It's not the mark. It's not the mark. But it is leading up to the control of a worldwide government. Because that's not just happening in the United States. It's everywhere in the world. I read today, did you know that there are about 40% of the world has already taken the vaccine? 40%. And they're pushing it. Let me say one more thing before I move on because y'all are so quiet. This is truth. This isn't conspiracy. I'll never forget last year when my wife came to me right when this was coming out. And how many know we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? And she said, she said, I think that, or I heard, or I read that there's a conspiracy that China started this thing. And I looked back at my wife and I said, that's not a conspiracy. And I, and I said it through the Holy Spirit. That's not a conspiracy. That's what happened. I didn't know that because of, out of any knowledge. I just felt it in my spirit. And I told her there's going to, y'all still here? I told her there's going to come a day in the future when it's going to come out on the news that that's a fact, that it was man-made. And if you pay attention to your news, it's starting to come out that it was man-made. So all this stuff is coming to pass. And now you can go look at this for yourself. All this stuff I'm telling you is on the, the World Wide Web. But in Australia, they're on total lockdown. I have a friend who lives there. And they are they're opening up camps called wellness camps where they're going to start sending people with COVID to. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Does that scare anybody? It should, because it sounds to me like the Holocaust. When they killed 11 million Jews and they took them to camps because they needed to help them. And that's not just Australia. And you can go look for yourself. A businessman donated a bunch of land, and they're building thousands of places for these people to go be well. And I looked it up, and it's happening in Hong Kong. It's happening in Canada, right above us in the north. This is a fact. When you fly into Canada, 
I've read several reports about this. You fly into Canada and you've come from another place. Before you can go home, you have to go to this place they send you to to quarantine. They don't tell you go home and quarantine. They take you to a place. That's facts. I'm not, I'm not making this up, church. I'm saying all this to get you to understand the temperature, not of what it is in this church for you that are cold, amen, the temperature of what it is in this world right now. Also, it's happening in Germany. The last current event I'm going to give you this morning is that World Wide Web. That'd be a good message to go back and listen to, too. I preached it a few months ago that we're in the web. We're all in the web. We're in it. Can't get out of it. Did you know that right now there is a web, World Wide Web, a Wi-Fi system that is already invented, not thought about, invented and out by Elon Musk called Starlink. And it's going to be global Wi-Fi. What is that leading us to? One global internet system. And there's thousands already of telescopes, or sorry, satellites in the sky for this. And there's going to be hundreds of thousands. This is also tied in with the whole 5G thing I talked to you guys about. Tell the person next to you, wake up. Amen. This is just current events. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up, church. I'm just looking at what's going on and seeing something. Just seeing something like, like a 9-11 is coming. Oh, you're just, you're just a doomsday gloom, doom and gloom preacher. Well, let's just, let's just talk about the joy of the Lord and the grace of God all day and, here all day and just make it a social, social camp and let's just be saved and wait for Jesus to come back and not make a difference to the world at all. How I many don't we need to talk about these things? Because they're happening. They're an opportunity, church, for us to realize that we can tell people they can be saved. Jesus said those words on purpose. He said, time is coming when it's going to be horrible, but you can be saved. And watch this, Luke chapter 17, verse 26. I, read, I did this, this, verse, uh, this message a few weeks ago. As was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man, his return. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. That was a Wednesday night. You should go back and listen to it. And likewise, say likewise, as it was also, so it's not just the days of Noah, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, leave that there for a second, they built. What this is trying to tell us is when this happens, life's going to be normal. It's going to happen just like that. The day before 9-10-2001, everything was normal. 9-11, 9-12, everything was different. Those that lived through it know what I'm talking about. It's still not this, it's still different today. They were eating, they were drinking, and bam! They hijacked those planes, killed thousands of people. That's exactly how it's going to happen. And church, I believe that what's going to cause it is the rapture. The rapture of the church is what's going to cause this chaos that's going to start the tribulation. Let's finish reading here, verse 29. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I also preached a message this year, if you can go back and look at it, about Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So Noah, Sodom, and Gomorrah. But church, and just, just, just in case you guys are um, thinking that you're one of them and forgetting that you're one of us, the Bible tells us that every time that God is going to do judgment or bring wrath on people for disobedience, he always gets his kids out first. That was a very good place to get excited and be happy, but it's okay. You missed it. Are you his kids? He even went and said, if I can find ten righteous people in that city, I won't destroy it. We know they couldn't find ten. I was reading this morning, how, will Jesus find faith on the earth when he comes? And my answer is, yes, here I am. Can y'all look up and do that with me? Yes, here I am. Amen? We need to say, yes, Lord, you will find faith on the earth. Here I am. No, no matter if anybody else is, yes, Lord, you will find faith on the earth. Here I am. Because I believe in his word. And his word is perfect. How many are still here? Let me give you a, a, a little glimpse of why the word of God is so real and so powerful and so true and so perfect. How many have ever read the Old Testament? I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. But homework means when you get home. How many ever did your homework when you were still in class? I did when I had the chance. Like if I get done right now, I don't have to take it home. Don't do that right now. But I'm going to give you some homework. How many have ever read the Old Testament especially and been like, what is that? This had to be a mistake. How did that get in there? If you haven't read the Old Testament, go read it. And you're going to find some times when you go, wow, that's crazy. I'm going to paraphrase the story for you that you can go read later in Genesis 18 and 19. Don't read it now, please. But destruction is coming on Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels of the Lord show up to Sodom with Lot. And he's in the square... And they meet him by, by the by ordination of God. And he says, hey, come home with me and eat something and rest and spend the night. And there were angels looking like men. And they said, no, we'll stay, we'll stay here in the square. He says, no, please, I insist. Come to my house. Stay the, stay the night. I'll feed you. And you can go, be on your way tomorrow. So they go. A few hours later, they hear a, do- a knock on the door. And listen, this is the Bible. Go read it later. A bunch of men and young men. Very clear. Men and young men go to the door and say, Lot, bring out the two men who are in your house because we want to have sex with them. Yes, I said that in church because it's in the Bible. It will say in the King James and the New King James so we can know them carnally. They wanted to have, they wanted to gang rape those two men. That's in the Bible. Pastor, why are you telling us this? Because I want you to understand the Bible's real. If it was fake, God would have left that out. God didn't leave those things out. Because the real Bible with real people making real mistakes that will have real judgment from a real God. Are you following me? And then he says, no way. There's no way. I'm, do, how could you even think of that? And then he does something crazy and says, instead, I'll give you my two virgin daughters so you can do what you want with them. 
What in the world was that? How many know he wasn't thinking in the spirit? Or, or was he? Because some commentary people will say that possibly, we don't really know, but possibly the reason he did that was he was trying to show them at least they should do it with someone of the opposite sex. That's what some commentaries will say. And it's very possible. Because he was condemning their, their homosexuality, them wanting to have sex with men. So as we look at this story in Sodom and Gomorrah of 18 and 19, people wonder, and this is kind of what, what reason I'm saying this is because this, this is comparing to or the days we live in today. He said, as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says that the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah was so great and their sin was so grievous. And watch this. I'm going to tell you exactly from the Bible because how many know we can't just read Genesis 18? We've got to read the whole Bible. Look what the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, about Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Leave that up for a second. Does that sound like any place we know? Hello, is the light on? Pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness. We're people who spend hours looking at nothing. Hours looking at nothing. Now, I'm just talking generally, okay? I'm not talking to us specifically, I hope. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And look what it goes on to say. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away, and God says, as I saw fit. Tell the person next to you, remember. Come on, help me out here. Tell them, remember, God is God, and you're not. That'll take you a long ways. A long ways. So the sin was not just homosexuality, but it was definitely partly part of it because it says that they were haughty, overfed and unconcerned. They didn't help the poor and needy. But it goes on to say, and the abomination was what's translated from Hebrew as detestable. And this mentioned in Leviticus as homosexuality as an abomination. And then Jude 7, the New Testament, says Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. Do you remember the message that I preached on that the pornography industry makes more money in a year than ABC, CBS, and NBC together and makes more money than the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball together? Do you think we're living in those days? That's why I'm saying this. I'm trying to get us to understand the days that we're living in. And there's an acceleration of wickedness, which means there's an acceleration of Jesus coming back, which means there needs to be an acceleration of witnessing and telling people that Jesus is the answer so they can get saved before the outcry, before the judgment of God falls on this earth. And we can tell them, look, you don't deserve it, but God is a good God. Amen. Last, last thing, Luke 21, watch this, 25. There will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. It's all kinds of asteroid things going on. There's all, back in 2017, there was a sign we looked at that was clear as a bell that it only happened one time in the entire, entire history of creation. There was, that looked like Revelation chapter 12. 
a woman clothed the sun and the stars, and it all lined up in the constellations because God speaks to us not through the horoscope, but through his, through his creation. So he says there'll be signs in the sun, the moon, and watch this, on the earth, distress of nations. Leave this verse up for a second. Distress of nations. Are we seeing any distress of nations? Or is everybody just good with each other? We're seeing the Bible come alive and at Ezekiel 38 and 39. I'm probably going to preach a whole message on this at some point. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Desi, sit right there on that drum thing just for a second. I'm going to, so you don't have to stand up here yet. She's so pretty. I just don't want you to waste your legs. Don't look at her no more. She's going to be embarrassed. I just need like two minutes before you come up. And the earth distress of nations. Ezekiel 38 and 39 says Russia and China... And Iran, those three humongous countries that was Persia, Iran, are going to come against Israel. That's why the Afghanistan thing was so huge. Because the buffer or the defender or the one who's been standing in the way of getting to Israel was us. Which, if I remind you, church, is the reason we've been blessed as a country is because we've protected Israel. When we lift our hands as a country off of Israel, God lifts his hands off of us. So that's the truth. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures for that, but stay with me. In that same story, well, yeah, in the same story in Genesis, after they get, this is how wicked we are as people. And I put us all in there because the Bible says all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We look, oh, oh Abraham and Lot, they were... No, all of us. All of us. None of us here deserve salvation. Soon as they get freed from the fire and brimstone from heaven, they go into a cave and, and, and Lot's daughters get him drunk and they get pregnant by their daddy. Hello. That's in the Bible. Jerry Springer ain't got nothing on the Bible. Not that we're, we're glorifying that. It's, that's people have always been wicked. Hello? So Lot shouldn't have been drinking, and he wouldn't have got drunk. Oh, y'all must be some drinkers. Over. Let me go over to this side. Lot shouldn't have been drinking, and he wouldn't have got drunk. And then he wouldn't have, got, he wouldn't have knocked up his own daughters. But he did. And guess what? Pay attention. There's the stress of nations. Guess who her sons were? Their sons were Moab and Ammon. Remember a few weeks ago when I said the Moabites and the Ammonites and the mosquito bites and we laughed and joked? And that was funny. Ammon and Moab are from the countries around Libya and Egypt and Sudan and Afghanistan. And so the people that they gave birth to, their sons from thousands of years ago, are the people right now living in Afghanistan that are the jihadists. The Islamic nation, the Muslim nation of Islam, was born out of Abraham's mistress that he shouldn't have had a baby with because he didn't wait for the promise. And his son was named Ishmael, and the entire religion of Islam came from Ishmael. So what am I saying with all this? 
We're seeing prophecies being fulfilled right now through all the mistakes that people have made in the, in the past and they haven't asked forgiveness for. Because the good news is that God forgives when we confess our sins. But those people didn't ask for forgiveness and so they've cursed the world and now these people are against God and they hate the, the true living God and they're, they're using violence to make everybody else an infidel. And it says perplexity, seeing waves roaring. I don't have time to get into, you can go ahead and come, baby. I don't have time to get into all the things that are going on right now with earthquakes and tornadoes. And, oh, we've been seeing those forever, Pastor. Yeah, but it's called birth pains, and they're getting stronger. Next verse. 27. Then they will see the Son of Man. Watch this. Here's the good news. Then, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Hello. That's the good news. Look up because your redemption draws near. You can be for sure and take it to the bank that all this stuff's going to happen. And you can be for sure and take it to the bank. Jesus is coming back for his church. And he's going to redeem us from this world. Amen. And we're going to be safe while all hell breaks loose on this earth. Because as I finish, tell the person next to you, never forget. Colossians 1. He, Jesus Christ, has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His hate. What is it? Love. In whom we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. How many know that to have good news, you have to have bad news? We got good news today. Jesus is alive. We got good news today. Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and came out of the grave three days later victorious. And because he did that, we are born again today. If we put our faith in, he said, he who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. Call on the knee. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. How many are calling on the name of the Lord this morning? How many are saying, Jesus, forgive me for anything I've made a mistake on. I'm not going to be like those. You know what? We've made mistakes just like them. But the difference between us and them is we, we're sorry. God loves a repentive heart. Bow your heads with me if you would. Close your eyes all across this place. Nobody looking around. Nobody talking. Just allowing the Holy Spirit to quicken us and challenge us. Deal with us. Encourage us. Challenge us. Push us. Cause us to have a passion and a, a burden for the loved ones that we know that aren't saved. For the co-worker that we work with that maybe we don't have enough boldness or words to speak to them but we could leave a track or we could leave a tribulation letter or we could send an email or we could send a message and say would you just listen to this church we've got technology on our side use it for something good leave a seed what if they what if they reject it what if they don't accept it what if they do 
It's not your job to change them. It's your job to preach to them. It's your job to witness to them. It's your job to warn them. It's your job to say Jesus loves you and Jesus has a plan for you. And as they're caught up in this nasty, wicked, horrible, sinful world, you can say Jesus died for this sinful world. Me and you don't deserve it, but he came and died for us even while we were ungodly sinners. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, a message like this is scary, yes, and it's hard, yes, but it should make us so thankful and so grateful that Jesus has a plan for us. And he said, if you trust me, if you put your faith in me, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Many tribulations you'll have in this world, but listen to this. Be of good cheer, he said. I have overcome them all. All, meaning everything. How many in this place this morning or maybe watching online, you're here, and you know we're talking about the rapture, the return of Jesus. We're talking about, listen closely, we're talking about the last days. We're talking about futuristic events of God's timetable. But I got a question for you. What if you died today? What if your day was today? The day that it was established for you to die? Are you ready to face eternity? Are you ready to stand before a holy, righteous God? Let me tell you something. Today you can be ready. But the Bible says not by our works or by being good or, or any of those things, but simply by obeying and believing on the Son. He says, if you'll confess your sins to me, I am faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. How many in this place this morning, you're here and, and you've never ever asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You've never got saved. You've never been born again. You've never given Jesus your heart and your life. And you've said, never said, God, I'm sorry for the, the things I've done and I want to change my life. If you've never done that before, would you just lift up your hand and say, pray for me this morning. That's me right here. I'm, I'm, I'm that person. I need salvation this morning. I need to be forgiven. I need to be born again quickly all across this place. You've never said that prayer. Maybe you've said it and you know it and you believe it, but you're not living it. It's not enough to believe it. You've got to live it. The Bible says even the demons believe and they tremble at his word. Church, you know what we need more of? We need more trembling. We need more fear of God. We need more respect and all of God. Right now, in the Jewish customs of the feasts of the Lord from Leviticus, they're in the, what's called the ten days of awe between the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. Listen closely. And they go and just keep praying. And they go and they, they repent of all their sins and they search their heart and they say, God, what have I done wrong? And, and, and here's the thing. They do that for 10 days and then they believe that the atoning, the atonement of that animal sacrifice will save them. But we believe in the atoning blood of the sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. And we don't just pray, pray and repent for 10 days during the days of all. A true believer repents of his sins every day. A true believer has a relationship with Jesus and examines himself every day and says, Lord, am I in the faith? Am I right with you? Is there anything in my life I, don't, that I need to change? That's the fear that we need of the Lord. Good, godly fear. Repentance is always the key 
to revival. I'm going to ask us to stand to our feet this morning all across this place, believing and knowing that every single one of you here today, by your actions, are saved. Thank God. Somebody say, thank God. Oh, if we could see a glimpse of what's coming and see what God is saving us from, we would be so thankful. So thankful. But today we can be thankful. And the way we can show Him we're thankful is we can open our mouths and we can tell people, Jesus loves you. We can go out of this place and we can share our faith with people. We don't have it all together. We're not perfect, but we serve the one who is. And he has redeemed us. And outside these four walls, there's people who need to turn their eyes, they need to open their eyes. You know, in the, in the tribulation, the 144,000 virgins, male virgins that are going to be sealed by God in an instant are living right now. And as soon as the tribulation starts, they're going to have an axe experience. They're going to have a Saul experience and the scales are going to fall off their eyes. And they're going to know Jesus is the Messiah. And they're going to start preaching Jesus is Lord. At the same time when all this chaos is going on. But let me tell you something. We have the opportunity to have the scales come off before the tribulation. We have the opportunity to get the scales to come off the eyes of our family members and our neighbors and our co-workers. And I'll say this again, even your enemies. Because if you love God, you, you don't even want your enemies to go through what's coming. You want everyone to be saved. And they can be, church. But look at the person next to you and tell them it depends on us. It does. It depends on us. So this morning, we're going to open up these altars. But right before we do, we're going to pray. We're going to open these altars up in a minute. And we're going to talk to God. And we're going to ask Him to help us be anointed to never forget what Jesus did for us. But right now, I want everyone in this place to repeat this after me. Someone might be watching online. Someone might be listening on the podcast that needs Jesus this morning. If you're watching and God has been speaking to your heart, you're not able to get into the building or you stumbled upon this or you're watching this, but someone shared it to you. Maybe right now you're watching this because someone in this church took the time to share this message with you. And now as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you. And he's telling you, son, daughter, you can be saved this morning. You can become an heir of my kingdom if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ. I want everyone to repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I fall short of your glory. I ask you right now to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose from the dead for me. And I ask you to take me and consume me with your love. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I will serve you. All my old actions are forgiven and they're gone. And I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, 
Go to our website at vwotexas.com.